0: In athletics, not only on the fields, on the courts, we're both excited as Los Angeles Lakers fans, because the Lakers once again, finally, for the first time since I've been of legal drinking age, now at 30, have won the NBA championship, beating the Miami Heat in six games on Sunday night. Champagne flowing in the locker rooms, LeBron with his fourth championship, adding to his legacy, Anthony Davis, getting his first coming over to LA to get said NBA championship. And he does a ton of storylines to go on. If you're a fan of the Lakers, or even if you're just a fan of the NBA, Evan Cohen of Sirius XM's mad dog sports radio and ESPN West Palm will join us in a little bit to talk about all of it. But before we get into that, Including his Miami Heat. We just wanted to offer our quick two cents about what we think the Lakers winning this championship did for them and for us as fans. And Al, I will give you the start and the lead. What do you think? How you feeling after that championship?
1: Ah, uh, folks, we're slow. It's great to have you with us as always, as usual. And AWP is all fired up because you have to think about what the Lakers were just a few years ago. I don't want to say laughing stock, but the most successful franchise in the history of the sport. And I say that no knock on the Celtics, even though it is a knock on the Celtics because they have far more finals appearances than the Celtics do. And now they've tied them in terms of titles had fallen into disrepair through, um, I don't want to call them bad drafts, but drafts that didn't work out in terms of being successful in wins. And then finally, after some front office upheaval, Uh, Magic Johnson brings in LeBron James. It looks great until Christmas Day 2018, where he gets hurt, and then slowly but surely the wheels fall off. And then the Anthony Davis scenario begins, and the saga begins, and I want to go get me there, leave him alone. You can't trade these kids for him, et cetera, et cetera. They finally pull the trigger, send all the young kids to New Orleans, bring in AD. Then comes the, you know, the the front office scenario uh, with Magic Johnson. Who's going to be the coach? Guys turn him down. They settle on Frank Vogel. Uh, can we bring in the third guy, Kawhi? They hold out for. He says, "No, I don't want to play with LeBron, but I want to play in L.A. I don't want to play with Paul George and bring him here." And the next thing you know, Frank Vogel comes in and molds this team on defense. They buy in. They win the West. They stay healthy. We have a pandemic that stops the season. They go into the bubble, and they are from beginning to end of the playoffs. Not the beginning of the bubble, because they went through the motions in the bubble after an early win against the Clippers. But once it was time to put the pedal to the metal after a very slow start in game one against the Blazers, they were clearly the best team in the bubble from beginning to end. They did it with defense. They did it with teamwork. They did it with veteran leadership. And I mean veterans. LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, Danny Green, uh, even though he couldn't put the ball in the ocean at times, you know, Anthony Davis, uh, all guys who have been around. Davis, the youngest of the group, and then the really young guys. You know Caruso, off the bench, providing spark and, and great defense. Kyle Kuzma, understanding his role playing defense, getting much better defensively, moving without the ball. A first championship for Dwight Howard, probably a Hall of Famer, saying, just sign me, and I will play, and I'll do whatever you need me to do. And that's what Frank Vogel, to his credit, and Lyle Holmes, and um. Times the much more than Jason Kidd were able to do with this group, and they won it the old-fashioned way. Despite the fact they had two super duper stars, they won it with defense. They didn't want win it with threes. They didn't win it with, you know, fancy analytics. They won it with defense. They won it with rebounding, and they won it basically on a team that excelled in transition, but not the showtime Laker fast break. The defense transition power size, older guys getting out and running and taking advantage of the athleticism of a couple of guys in particular in LeBron James and Anthony Davis with numbers advantages. Um, and a, a really you know a team that bought into what a coach was selling and in the end overpowered and undersized, undermanned, younger. Team in six who put forth a valid effort. And once again, um, the Los Angeles Lakers are on top of the NBA world as we literally put a wrap, no pun intended, on the bubble.
0: There were times this season when the Lakers looked like there was no question they would end up in the NBA finals. There was no question they could win a title. And then there were games where they played so poorly, not to the potential that Lakers fans know they could play too, where you thought there's no way they're going to do this there were a couple of games like that in the playoffs themselves now people laugh and say well they suffered one loss in every one of the series aside from the NBA finals which people criticize oh they lost two games to this this trash heat team and we ripped them but it's almost like in a way they flipped a switch and and they i guess they knew that they could flip a switch to either turn it on in the defense or step up on the offensive end. This wasn't a roster that's going to go up into the banners with this championship banner eventually at the Staples Center. It had guys that fortunately found a way to play with each other. But aside from LeBron and Anthony Davis, some of these guys, they just dragged off the street after Paul George... And Kawhi Leonard dragged them through the mud during the free agency period when they were maybe going to come be Los Angeles Lakers, leaving them with slim pickings for who they were going to bring into this team, getting Deion Waiters to come in, J.R. Smith, who by the way, didn't get to play in the garbage time minutes, which I'm really disappointed about, but it got rectified when he had his shirt off before the buzzer sounded which was, a it was great, my son cracked up. Great my anecdote by up. Mike green for but, throwing that in.
1: Yeah. My son cracked up. The fact that Boomer Jason, he said, got the shirt off already. Fantastic. He loving it.
0: And but he, I think he, he, he reached great, for the, uh, he reached for the title first. He got the trophy. You, first. You brought
1: up a great point in that your guys, are, we looked at as guys off the street, but those guys off the street gave the Lakers so much more over the long haul of this season with the best record in the West and in the bubble than the guys that were supposed to give to the Heat did. The, you know, Rajon Rondo gave more than Patrick Beverley, right? Caldwell Pope and a guy like Caruso, you know, gave more than, you know, a, a Reggie Jackson. Our Morris twin gave more than their Morris twin. Even their, their top guy off the bench left the bubble for a while. Didn't give the kind of consistent production that you got. You know, from guys off the Laker bench, who at times, you know, again, and remember, like you said, it's not some gallery of superstars besides the big two, uh, but there were some championship rings you know, in Danny Green last year, and again with San Antonio, Rondo, uh, you know, 12 years ago with the Celtics, and great playoff experience, and you saw the medal of Rondo on the court last night when their this game is is over. Rondo is still leading and telling guys where they have to be on the floor and pushing guys. He was a great leader, not always a great player in this postseason, but he was a great leader, and it took some of the onus off LeBron, both mentally and physically, where he could run the offense and LeBron could rest, where he could lead and LeBron could rest mentally, and the rest of the team and the coaches respect Rondo because he's earned it. And he shows with the way he plays, the mentality with which he plays. That was huge. And you had a, a group that was very, maybe not versatile offensively, but very versatile defensively. A group of guys, and remember Bradley wasn't even there, but Caruso, Caldwell Pope, Danny Green, Kuzma, Morris, anywhere from six foot five to six foot eight. We're not even counting LeBron James, and we're not even counting Anthony Gibbs, who could guard pretty much anybody on the floor. And if they couldn't guard themselves, they were balanced enough and disciplined enough and they did it early on. Very versatile defensively, and they bought in and they functioned as a unit. At times they slipped. One of the reasons they're not a great team. And you and I criticize them because they, you know, they don't go on and dem- totally demolish teams every time out. Te- even great teams do lose games. But you have to win four of seven, not seven of seven. You don't have to sweep everybody. You're entitled to a bad day. You can have them now and again. And they had a few bad days. Just that sometimes their bad days look like really bad days. Because they look like they're not focused. They look like they can't hit the broad side of a bar from three-point range. We know they're a great three-point shooting team. But at times, they were really good. And that's when they would blow teams out of the building. Last night, this series was finished, And this championship was won right out of the box. From the time that tip went up with defense, the Heat were never comfortable. They never got into a decent flow In their half court offense, the Lakers took them out instantly with their defense and the game was over by halftime.
0: which made it an interesting watch because we've been so on the edge of our seat for just about this entire finals with these close back and forth games and especially leading into game six, game five, down to the wire, back and forth, who's going to win. And this one, as you said, at half, it's like, this is it. They're up 28. I don't think they're going to lose this lead. They had built enough and done enough to get the championship. And it was an interesting feeling as a Lakers fan for this championship, just for the season in general, for the state of the country, for everything we went through for how long the season was, and there'll be enough time to look forward as far as the Lakers go for what they need to add or get rid of, or if Anthony Davis is even going to stay with the Lakers, I'm assuming winning a championship will be a good way to maybe get him to come back. But for this championship, it's almost like you have to look back. Looking back to when Kobe Bryant was killed and Gianna Bryant and the other seven that were in that helicopter in January, which seems forever ago now. And seemed like it would be the worst month of the year at the time. And that, of course, turned out not to be true. Unfortunately, only a couple of months later, we started going downhill. But what that meant to the Lakers, what that meant as Lakers fans, we did a couple podcasts on that you can go back and listen to on iTunes or on our website to hear what we had to say when that happened. How the team would respond winning this one, quote unquote, for Kobe. I found myself even last night when LeBron was giving his his on-court remarks after the game where he wants respect, Rob wants respect, Frank wants respect, we want respect, respect Aretha Franklin, where is it, playing in the background, we've been disrespected all this time. I find myself sitting there going, aren't you going to say anything about Kobe? But then I'm thinking, like, I mean, LeBron and Kobe, it's not like they, they played with each other for 20 years. It's not like they were the closest. They were getting closer, which is unfortunate, the timing of when everything happened. It hit me, too. Like, just enjoy this moment. Just enjoy what LeBron James did for the Lakers in his typical two-year, I come to a team, we get a year to get our feet set, and then I win a championship. But the other thing to look back on, not into tragedy, but into how far the team has come just in the postseason, for starters, where we got the they've never seen anyone like Dame Lillard in these Blazers when they lost one game to start it. It's over. Okay. Harden and Westbrook. Watch out. You haven't seen an offense like this. Mike D'Antoni, your old coach. Here they come. How'd that work out? Then we get to the Western Conference Finals. Jamal, Joker, young guys. How are they going to keep up with them? They're old. LeBron is old. How'd that work out? And then this. The and, they wore, and,
1: they, and, they wore, and they wore them down.
0: They wore them down. The, the narratives for this. Well, it's the NBA finals. They've got young guys shooting like Clay Thompson some nights because of this bubble format. There's no pressure. They're just going out and play. Jimmy Butler, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, Hall of Fame coach. Well, they ended up putting everybody to bed with that. Most important for who they put to bed is about two years ago when this first started out when LeBron announced he's coming to LA and and everybody said he was just coming to Los Angeles to make movies. And when Anthony Davis signed, they're trading away too much. They're trading away their whole team. Nobody wanted to come play with LeBron. The Lakers threw out star players in the league. You want to come play with us? We'll make it happen. Nope. They got turned down over and over again. Coaching staff's the same. I don't want to coach with LeBron. I don't want him to be my guy. So they settle on Frank Vogel. They settle on Danny Green. They settle on Marquise Morris. We mentioned who they settled with to get, just put a team together. (laughs) There were times after the Anthony Davis trade. Well, now you got to fill the team up again. All that matters not. I hope they slept well last night knowing what they turned down, thinking the alternative was a better option because LeBron put the two middle fingers up at all of you last night. the, the, The
1: difference is all these guys that the Lakers brought in played with virtually no egos. And that's kind of what you have to do in this scenario, because, you know, you are playing with LeBron James.
0: Or Keith Morris it's was like, always, I will give you all my money. I just want to go to the Lakers. Don't even pay me. I just want to be on that team. It, it, it's going to be all about LeBron
1: James, and it's not about him. It's about Anthony Davis. So you are going to be an afterthought. But if you buy in, and if you take advantage of the greatness of not just the basketball ability of those players, but the, uh, the amazing versatility on a basketball court of those two players in terms of what they can do athletically, physically, at both ends of the floor, especially defensively Davis now, no disrespect to Giannis. Davis is the best defensive player in the league, and Giannis is terrific. I'd love to see how many points the Lakers score in transition that started with some type of Anthony Davis stoppage. On the defensive end of the court, and if you're going to buy in, you're going to get a bunch of easy buckets. If you're Danny Green or your Carl Paul or your Cruz, run the court, fill the lanes, cut, move on the offensive end, and defend. And that's what they did. And you know they turned last night into—I had hoped Game Five would be the coronation, and not a competition. It turned out to be Game Six, but I'll take it where I can find When they leave the huddle with one, two, three Mamba, that's good enough for me.
0: I would have liked it too, because I had money on them winning in either four or five games, not six, but they got it done. It was a perfect pairing. It proved to be, I'm sure they're going to tinker with a lot of things during the off season. Maybe bring some guys in, maybe let some guys go, whatever that may be. If they keep those two, it's hard not to say that they're the favorites to win the NBA finals next year, just based off of what we've seen, even though the field will be that much harder in both conferences with the well, the two most interesting
1: guys before we get to our guest, obviously, you know, Davis has an option that he can opt out of check the free agent market, Um, which hopefully, um, you know, whether he opts out or not, you know, you think it's going to result in a long-term deal. Pope, has an option at eight and a half, which you figure he will opt out of. And the question becomes, do you want to, how much can you afford uh, cap wise to pay him to bring him back? Um, does he want to come back? I would think he does, but you know, and how big an offer would he get out there in a year that we just have no idea what's going to happen from a cap perspective, from a cap perspective. And then, you know, how sought after he? you know, how much money does he want? Uh, you know, if if you're a guy like a Karl Pop, do you go somewhere for twice as much money, you know, to go play in Orlando? You know, do you, go, do you take you million, take million, $18 dollars million to go play for the the, the Wizards. Do you take you know, maybe a slight increase to stay a Laker. You know, again, I'm, I have no concept of what the kind of money is like, but I'd rather make ten million to be a champion versus twenty million being also in. But that's just me.
0: We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll be joined by Evan Cohen one half of the morning men on Sirius XM mad dog sports radio channel 82. You can also hear him on ESPN West Palm. We talk about his heat. We'll talk to him about what he thinks about LeBron. Now, if this title does anything for that and we'll talk about how important Jimmy Butler is not only to the heat, but to the league and where he stands within it. Looking forward to chatting with him. We'll do that next. Well, Al, we will bring in our first ever guest. Who better to have as our first ever guest than Evan Cohen? He is one half of the Morning Men on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82 from 6 to 9 Eastern Time. You can also hear him on ESPN West Palm 106.3 or follow him on Twitter at Evco Radio, even though Evan is still not verified on Twitter for whatever reason that may be Bill Zimmerman. But you can follow him on Twitter. Evan, hello. How are you? hello
1: guys how are you e, thanks for joining us it's great having you with us and you know many would argue of course that you're far more than one half of the morning men but we'll conservatively keep it at 50 50 <laughs> split for now anyway right Until right. so they split us but yes
0: for now <laughs> Well, since you, you lost the hour on the show, we figured we'd give you another platform to talk a little bit more. Wow, sports. John, I'm, I'm, John, I'm not sure. pulling
2: any punches right off the bat here. My God. Wow.
0: Hey, hey okay. we're both affected, me and Al. We're loyal listeners to the program. We're both not happy. So we figured this is a way to, to have us hear more of your voice, and we could do so talking your favorite sport, the NBA. You asked us how we're doing. Fortunately, we're doing well as Lakers fans. But we have you on as a diehard Heat fan, back to the D-Wade days, living in Florida as another perspective to what happened. But before we get into that, the NBA bubble as a whole, more than 170 games, no cases. It went about as smooth as you could want it to, both on the court and off of it, for the most part, aside from a trip to get some buffalo chicken wings. At a strip club. If
2: I'm going to interrupt right off the bat, which of course I'm going to, let's be clear, there's nobody's going to be more critical of that than your co-host because he doesn't eat chicken wings, as I learned when we went to the greatest (laughs) chicken wing place of all time, and Al sits down and he's like, I'll pass on the wings, and uh, Bad Story and I were in a state of shock. I mean, one of the most shocking developments, maybe in the last decade of my life, is that Al does not like wings, and, and Al, vouch for this, because I'm sure your audience, not everybody knows about this place. Whether you like the wings or not, you can vouch for the fact that everyone, and I mean everyone, that grew up where you and I grew up, considers this place as the top of the food chain when it comes to wings.
1: It is numero uno when it comes to the wings, and the hardest part, the most you know, uh, unusual aspect about Iran is, remember, those are Buffalo-style wings, and I am from upstate New York. So it's, 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 it's a double whammy. It's, it's exactly. It's, it's double the trouble in that that's where we go. And it's the greatest wing place on the planet. I don't, <laughs> and, you pass. And, I'm from, and, I, and I'm from the place where they're from.
2: So yeah, I mean, the shock, we sat there we're like, <laughs> what is wrong? Like you literally thought something was wrong with him. We're all sitting outside. We're having this nice meal. Like, Oh, Al's great. We finally get to hang out outside of the radio world. And yes, that is what we learned about Al. But anyway, sorry, John, I interrupt.
0: No, that's perfectly fine. I didn't know that part of this. It's like going to a crab shack and getting a hot dog. Like sometimes when you go to these places, you have to enjoy the cuisine that you're going to them. For the bubble in general, what are your feelings for how this was run? How Adam Silver did his thing? How the players played within it? The overall atmosphere and how you view this season post when it actually was ending 12 months after it started. And unfortunately in the circumstances we're in, they put together a product that was for NBA fans, at least something we all loved.
2: Yeah. And I, I I'm going to answer this by saying, admittedly, I'm biased. Okay. I love the NBA. You know, baseball was by far and away my favorite sport growing up. Uh, it has kind of switched with the NBA a little bit. Football always been the consistent. We know that. Um, I always tell people it's easy to be a football fan. It's once a week. It doesn't, it doesn't take that much of an investment in, in order to be a baseball fan, 162 over in a over summer, or 82 for the NBA, you've got to be invested. you got to dig deep to do that, right? So baseball was always my thing growing up. And for whatever reason, it has changed to the NBA now. So I am admittedly biased. It is my favorite sport. I think it's brilliantly run. But I thought this whole concept was unbelievable and how they handled it. I'm not going to get political, but like it's clear no matter what side of the aisle you're on, the NBA has done it better, right, in terms of the health aspect. Whether you like the social justice messages on the court, The reality is, and Al knows this from running a business, Like, if you're an employer and your employees and your customers all believe in that, it is smart to do, and it also impacts real change, which is a great thing. And from a basketball product perspective, I look at it this way. What did we get in the finals? We got the organization that is best suited and built to be in a bubble. And when I say that, and I mean about about the Miami Heat, I said coming into the bubble, I thought that the franchise, the organization, was made for a bubble. The, I'm going to find out if the team is. And what, I, or the difference to me is the franchise. Let's think about this, okay? John, you mentioned you know on my show that I do in West Palm. Um, so uh, Miami is about an hour or so away from Boca. Alan knows who spent time there, you know, over the years. It would have been really easy for the Miami Heat to have their G League team, their minor league team in Boca. Guy gets hurt, God forbid. You shuttle a guy back and forth. It's easy. Their G League team is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on purpose. Why? There's nothing to do there. They only want their players playing basketball. So they got the best of the best in terms of the the makeup for the bubble that you have a franchise that is solely dedicated to basketball ending up in the NBA finals against a player that we've seen do things over a seventeen year span, whether I've been critical of them, Al's been critical of them, we've never seen somebody do this over seventeen years. He arguably is the best resume, He's not the best player I've ever seen, Michael that. but the resume is phenomenal. So when you get the be- the player that only cares about basketball, against the franchise that only cares about basketball, and you've got drama and breakout stars like Luca and root to this, and nobody gets sick, I'm sorry, guys, like this was a humongous success, in my opinion.
1: I thought it was, look, we all had our doubts going in just because of the circumstances in general. Then we were curious as what the playoff breakdown was going to be. Uh, is everybody going? Is not everybody going? Who? What, what teams are going to stay home? How are they going to get more games in to cover the TV obligation? And they flat out nailed it. They gave the teams that were in the hunt and on the cusp an opening to play in. And lo and behold, the Portland Trailblazers did, in incredible fashion. And from the health standpoint, as Evan said, LeBron bragged about it last night. No positive tests, which points to the dedication of the players, with the exception, of course, the one full pas that you mentioned, John, uh, the one and only Lou Williams grabbing <laughs> those links in a you know, an, an entertainment destination, entertainment side is of course, which is the, the Morton. Important aspect of it than the food. But the, the overall, I thought, scenario from beginning to end was remarkable. Whether it what boy, how can we watch this without fans? We're really going to miss them. You know something? The more I watched, the less I was conscious of the fact that there were no fans. Totally they agree. created that arena, which I've been in when. Uh, we went down there for Justin's high school team so we were you know I had a chance to go in that arena and see it the way they set up the arena the caliber of the basketball from beginning to end the run the blazers went on to get in it the phoenix suns who were the, the best team in the end of regular season bubble through tremendous postseason games. We forget about the amazing games that we saw you know, with Toronto and Boston and with Denver and Utah and with Denver and Houston, time and time and time again, and then you're moving on into the semis. You know, it was tremendous basketball, very, very hard fought, and somehow, someway, through all of that, they stayed healthy. They stayed focused. You didn't hear about anybody getting in trouble. You didn't hear about anybody bursting the bubble. And it wound up being fabulous basketball where we saw performances for the ages throughout the playoffs. No matter where you looked, you saw I mean, how brilliant was Murray on the Nuggets? He was absolutely fantastic. How great was the big guy coming back from 3-1 twice? Never been done before. Evans' team takes out the Eastern Conference champions, okay, like a heavyweight going against a flyweight. The Celtics, against the defending champs, a tremendous series. The Heat move on. And, and lo and behold, there they are in the finals of the five seed, waiting for the Lakers. And then, of course, the Nuggets knock off the clip the Jeff Set. And, and the Lakers prevail with the brilliance of LeBron and you know, the greatness of you know, his new number 1A guy, who was tremendous and a great coaching job by Frank Vogel. I don't know how it pot- – you want to say, okay, we would have loved to have seen – Lakers Clippers, or we'd have loved to have seen the Bucks in the final, maybe so. But when you look at the overall picture of from where we started to where we ended, I don't know in Commissioner Silver's wildest dreams, how it could possibly have been better.
2: I think it's very well set out. And it's a weird thing because in business, I mean, we may have all experienced this. I would have to think about it. You guys would have to think about it. In business, there are very few times probably where you say, hey, my proudest of moments is during a time where I lost the most money. The NBA is getting crushed financially right now, and I don't know how the guy who runs it is more proud ever during the course of his tenure as the commissioner than he should be right now. And they're getting destroyed, right? I don't know if there's a moment in your career, John, same thing, where you're like, you know what? I just lost an insane amount of money, but I am more proud of the job that I have done than at any point during my career, because to back up your comment out, I agree. I don't know how Adam Silver can do better than he just did.
1: And we didn't even mention, other than you touching on it, in earlier in the conversation at the very beginning, this was all in the midst of a league that is obviously uh, predominantly made up of black players, and in an environment where we had just massive racial unrest throughout the country because of social injustice and the players position as to whether they're, you know, remember the, the Lakers potentially were not going to go home. The the Clippers didn't want to play. They played that way. But through all of that, these players prevailed with their professionalism, their athleticism, their nose to the grindstone. And they put on a remarkable show from an athletic and an entertainment aspect that i think the commissioner and the entire league from top to bottom should be incredibly proud of because they really said to america stand up and look stand up and watch and they didn't let us down at all not at all i, I thought it was well, off the charts.
2: And, and just again to follow up uh um, couple things on that. First of all, we've seen it with the NBA versus the major league baseball and the NFL. Okay. Listen, I know the NFL is on top. It's number one. I'm not arguing that. I have no problem with that. Like I'm aware of that. And I, and I root for baseball to do well, but the the baseball players association and the commissioner's office slash owners, they're at war with each other. That is clear that it, it took, it took too much work to get baseball on the same page. And obviously we know with the NFL, I mean, one thing after another. I mean, to me, the the latest thing with Dak Prescott, you know, and the debate over the franchise tag, literally, you know, stems back to the fact that the collective bargaining agreement is what it is. The Players Association has no power, and the owners don't care, right? They just don't care. They're going to do whatever it is for themselves. And so that's why, again, to how great this was in the course of, of these, you know, few months, I truly believe Adam Silver, the Board of Governors, and, and the players are partners. I really do. Like, and it's, it's a dumb way of just saying it, and it's simple, but it's just true, guys. Like, It's just blatantly obvious. They are working together and not against each other.
0: Evan, your Heat surprised a lot of fans once they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. And despite only losing four games heading into the finals, some people still were surprised that the Miami Heat were facing the Lakers, and surprised even more that the NBA Finals went six games. What if anything leading to the NBA Finals surprised you? I know talking on the show, the Heat culture, everything that goes into your team. This doesn't surprise you for them to get to this point. But from what you saw, is there anything that maybe you didn't expect to see happen as they made their way to the NBA Finals?
2: Well, John, let me let me just let me just be clear on this because I don't want to seem like more of a know-it-all than I already am. Okay. Um, so I I look at it and I say that I. I look at this team and think, okay, because of the uniform, because of who runs it, and Pat Riley, they're built to be overachievers. Like, they're just going to get to one little tiny level above where they should. To the NBA Finals into six games against LeBron James is not where I thought they were going to go. So, yes, I can, it can at least take a step back and say, this whole thing is so shocking and so surprising. So, I, I think that it, uh, there's a few things. And I, I tweeted this um, today at Evco Radio, and, and you guys may disagree with me, but I worded it carefully on purpose. And I know Al doesn't have a computer. He's 8,000 years old, so let me just reset what it is here. Um, <laughs> so so the, the way I worded it was very simple. There are only four players in the NBA that I believe you would definitively, without debate, take over Jimmy Butler for the max amount of games in an NBA season, 110 games. In other words, and those are LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry, as the alpha dog for a team. In other words, James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo, you would take for 82. But then after 82, you're not short, okay? Dame Lillard, you may take for like 100, but you're not necessarily short after that. Klay Thompson, I love, you guys know that, I love Klay Thompson, I love Draymond Green, but they're not the alpha dogs, Right? Anthony Davis, we saw what he did in New Orleans. He needed LeBron. He's a phenomenal player. He may be top five for, you know, 82, but not when he's the alpha dog. Okay. So what I'm most surprised about is that Jimmy Butler, when you factor in the 182, the 82 regular season, the four rounds, seven games max, when the max 110 games, I didn't realize he was a top five player. And I truly believe right now he is. That's number one. Number two, I did not realize that Bam Adebayo was superstar caliber. I knew he was going to have a role in this team. I knew he had a chance for massive upside. I didn't realize he could be a cornerstone top three player in a championship caliber team. Number three. I mean, come on, say what you want. You could be, and he's from Wisconsin where I went to school. You could, you could be Tyler hero's parents. You couldn't have expected this. Okay. And and last night, last night was his worst game. um, Game six. The the closeout game was the worst game he had in the, in the whole bubble because uh, for the playoffs, excuse me, because that was the only game he had under 10 points. So when I look at their first, their best three players, I didn't expect any of them to be at the level that they were, right? And then I'll give you one other kind of, like you really have to pay attention to the heat day in and day out, which obviously I do to notice this. And this is going to sound weird. Andre Iguodala, when he first got there, was kind of out of it a little bit. And I'm saying pre, pre-pandemic, pre-bubble. You know, they had guys that were hurt. The full team didn't play. It just, it almost felt like, all right, I'm here because, like, uh, that's better situation than the Grizzlies, and they were willing to give me an extra year. But I never got the feeling that he wanted to be there. And then, you know, as the pandemic happened and then the bubble restarted, I talked to a couple of people close to the Heat, and they told me during that pandemic it was huge because he and Spolster got close. Spolster talked to him a bunch, explained kind of what they do, and you got the sense Iguodala finally got it. Because I'm telling you guys, if you were to, like, and there's no reason for you to do this, but if you were to watch the games Iguodala played prior to the bubble— it almost was like, can you just get me back to Golden State? I don't want to be here. And it wasn't a knock on the heat. It was just, you know, it went to five straight finals with the Warriors. Then the pandemic happened. He gets the relationship going with Spolstra, and he, he was totally invested, and I think that was huge as well. And then, of course, there's, you know, Duncan Robinson and his development, people accepting their roles, Myers Leonard. I mean, you're talking about an all-time great teammate. Think about it. that guy scored 25 points, a career high, and a Western Conference final game last year for the Blazers. He started all year this year, didn't start in the bubble, and you know, it's still the the, the happiest guy on the sideline, cheering his teammates on like you've never seen in their life. So, John, to be fair, I got to be real on this. There's actually a lot that surprised me because this was a level of of competition that I didn't expect them to get this far, which was remarkable. At least not this year.
1: You never see LeBron where Jimmy Butler was. No disrespect to Jimmy Butler, at the end of Game Five, literally bent over, buckled over, gasping for air. Because he's got to play the whole game for his team to win the game. And he has to play at an extraordinary, let's call it right now, LeBron-esque level, which is what he played and matched him toe-to-toe, point-for-point, shot-for-shot to win a game that went down to the very last second, if not for a Danny Green's jumper, they probably would have lost. And he was exhausted. And with only one day to rest, he was not the same player. And yet LeBron seems to come back. Literally, LeBron is the bionic man of the National Basketball Association. He is the biggest freak of nature in the sport since Wilt Chamberlain, bar none. And that is no knock on Jimmy Butler. It just shows that what Jimmy Butler had to do, the energy he had to expend to play at that level and lead his team to that win, showed how taxing it was, how much he had to put into it mentally and physically. And we watched LeBron do it seemingly time after time after time and he never seems to get tired and he's not 28 years old anymore
2: he's 35 no, years old that's why to me guys that I look at it and I say I, I don't look at that what you just said as a knock on Jimmy I agree with you It's the ultimate compliment to LeBron I would argue that maybe we should all the three of us look back at some of the early days as you mentioned in Cleveland you know there were those games where people said he quit against Boston because he had nobody else around him And and in many ways, what you're telling me is, yes, he is the superhuman. I I agree with you. But it also is, whether you like it or not, the justification for the super team era of the NBA, that you can't do it this way anymore when other teams have multiple guys around you or, you know, stars around you. Because, you know, John asked before about the surprise factor, right? And this is where I go back to that, guys. Like the surprise factor of I didn't expect them to be there this year. I don't know that they expected them to be there this year. They being the team, because if they did, the idea that Jimmy can win two games for you and everybody else is going to have to help win the other two. Well, there's no, there's not everybody else at that level. Bam is 23. Tyler Hero is 20. Gordon Dragic has broken feet in this series. Like they just don't have the players around them to do that, which is why
1: yet yet. not yet. Right, which is the 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 not yet part. And 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 those players that are there are young and improving. I mean, Duncan Robinson. Is turned into a premier shooter, so he's you need him to go to the next level. Tyler Hero was up and down, but had brilliant moments. He's only twenty. The next question is, you know, for Tyler Hero, does he go to the next level now? And I don't mean superstar level. Does he just continue to improve? Because oh no, way- I mean
2: I mean superstar level. Because I'm going to tell you why. So this is where this is where my my giddiness comes in in terms of trade machine stuff. So here's how this works. You know. Andre Guadalla, in essence, on a $15 million expiring contract. Kelly Olinick on a $13 million expiring contract is $28 million. There's your money. What gets you a star? Tyler Hero, right? I, like. Could they call Washington about Bradley Beal? Could they call Utah about Donovan Mitchell? And, and could they call Portland about C.J. McCollum? I'm not saying I would trade for any of those guys with Tyler Hero because Tyler Hero may end up being as good and cheaper. But this is what's going to happen because what you're going to see, and I don't think either of you would argue this, the most attractive destination now for guys that are real free agents or make themselves into free agents by demanding out will be the Miami Heat for just a myriad of reasons. But one of them actually is because they lost, right? Because it's not the I'm going to go to the winner and just like I'm going to go to LeBron who already won. So I think that you're going to see a lot of players and hear about a lot of players wanting to go there and it's going to be really interesting in terms of how the Heat look at Tyler Hero because he's going to be the one that people want that they think they can get. I don't know that anyone thinks they can get Bam out of bio. I just don't think that, that – like I, I don't know what team would think, hey, let me call the Heat to try to get Bam, and here's what I'm going to give you in return. Right? I don't know who that player would be that could be on the block for that. So this is where this whole thing is really interesting in their building of a big
1: three, let's say,
2: if That's it's not the three chance. that they currently have.
1: I think In order to got, not let Jimmy get tired, like you said, I, I, I think Bam's got the the much larger upside. No disrespect to the kid, Hero. who I like a lot. Yeah, but that's why I don't think that
2: Bam's going. I don't think Bam's going anywhere. No, like just the fun yeah. the fun thing, and I don't know where you guys would be on this. The fun thing is, let's say you're Milwaukee and you and you have a hunch. You're like, ah, I don't know if he's coming back. Bam and Hero as the basis for a trade for Giannis is fascinating both ways. Miami gets him in for a year, potentially tries to re-sign him after that, and I don't think Milwaukee's return would ever be that high in terms of talent. I don't think the Heat would... Be, I don't think either of the teams would actually do that, but that is fascinating to think about in my mind. That's the analytics conversation that is so interesting. Is it just take a lot of threes, even if you don't have great shooters, three-point shooters? Is that like the... Take
1: an- a lot of threes and make a lot of threes.
2: <laughs> well, I know, I know, but I'm saying that, you know, it just... Obviously, if you have as a chance at as many as three points, that's better than having a chance at as many as two points. But if you have a low percentage on three, is that greater than a high percentage of twos? Because that's really the Rockets thing. Like, I don't exactly understand the Rockets' gameplay. Anyway, I just I, they, they drive me crazy. You guys know that. They drive me absolutely crazy Can't thinking watch. about that team. Can't well, I they think they're smarter than everybody else, and there's no well, proof. The like, they're reality. just not that good. There's
1: the general rule. General Murray thinks, you know... He thinks that you know that the, the peach basket was hung up in his backyard. And that's just not the case.
2: <laughs> no, it was hung up in yours. I think I think you were there with you and Nate Smith.
1: <laughs> I love I did email you. We did email by the way, folks. You know, he is slight exaggeration. I don't tweet, but we do email back and forth. So that's I think we have some level of computer skills. <laughs>
2: Well, but John, wait a second, John, do you think Al saw my tweet about my big 110 games? Do you think there's any chance he saw that?
0: Zero, not unless I sent it to him.
2: Right, exactly. Wait, can we go back to this? Because I don't want to take up too much of your time. you guys Can I, can I ask a couple of follow-ups on this? Because you guys, it doesn't seem like either one of you agreed with me. So John and Al, are you guys not on board with my Jimmy Butler top five for 110? Right, so the max amount of games. Are we all in agreement that LeBron, Kawhi, KD, and Steffi take over him as the alpha dog, meeting the best player on the team? It, uh, who else are you taking over him for the give, full give me, 110?
1: Give me the five again.
2: Okay, so okay, I'm going to set this up exactly how I mean it. So, it, it, you know, there are caveats here. My point is I believe for the entirety of a maxed out season, 82 regular season, 28 playoff games, there are only four players that have proven to be better than Jimmy Butler as the best player on a team, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. After that, I could argue, I believe that I would take Jimmy Butler over anybody else in the league for 110
1: full games.
0: Well, go ahead, John. You can respond first. I think he made the best argument you can make for your question, Evan, this NBA finals, you know, teams love their rotations. You love watching teams and their rotations, the second strings, the third strings, making sure they get the right lineups in. Jimmy Butler rested for 12 total minutes heading into game six. 12. And, and I didn't I, even realize that. that I know he a good looked,
2: way of putting it. 12. That's ridiculous.
0: I know he looked dead after game five, but yeah. Of course, you're going to look dead after only sitting 12 minutes. And he said, it's fine. He's got his personal masseuse in the bubble. He went and got treatment probably for 24 straight hours. And he was back game six. Now you could say that it was fatigue, how he performed, not up to how he would like to have performed, but him being on the court, probably for all the games you're talking about, it's hard to not put him in the top four just because of that, because a lot of the guys you're going to name, for example, Anthony Davis, he's not staying healthy for all those games. You're gonna miss games probably without him leading up to the 110. For what he did, just being on the floor and performing to the level he can night in and night out, especially at the game's highest stage, like we saw, he made the perfect argument for your question in these NBA finals. I, I find well, it hard to argue against. It. Well, and John, but to that point about Anthony Davis,
2: we saw Anthony Davis is the alpha dog uh, with New Orleans. He did nothing. He's he is, you know, as I pointed out, he's an all-time great number two. Right, LeBron brought the best out of him. He had a chance to be an alpha dog and proved nothing. Jimmy Butler has gotten a chance to be the alpha dog and be the best player. And my God, look what just happened here.
1: Well, Anthony Davis played very well in the postseason in the limited time with the Orleans. If you look at his numbers, uh, now my my question to your tweet is: When you say 110 games, are you talking about you want him out there for 110 games because you're not getting 110 games out of Kawhi Leonard?
2: Right. Of those, uh, that, games,
1: of those 110 games, you're getting 65.
2: Right. That is fair. I guess my point is that I don't know that there's a player that is better in terms of regular season. and post. There's more than four players that are definitively better regular season and postseason. Right. Like Jimmy Butler's level of performance in the regular season, to me, has been more of who he is in terms of the averages. And like James Harden in the postseason or Giannis even in the postseason. Giannis missed his games; they didn't play well. You know, he, they they what blew a two nothing lead last year. Like, there's just negative stuff with these guys. There's only positive with Jimmy.
1: I would probably back to different top four. I would say Giannis, yeah, absolutely, and, and I'm sure there are other guys. If I sat down and took the lead by you know play you know team by team by team, there would be others. But I'll, I'll him, give it to you. I'll give it to you put, right put, now. I'll give it to you right I put, now. I put him in the top ten.
2: Okay, Absolutely. so Giannis, you would take over him. Um, would you take Dame over him?
1: Uh, very close. I would say probably.
2: They're built the same. They're built very the same close. mentally, very it seems close. like. Very close. Very close. Harden, I assume no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> Luca's, Luca's amazing, but not enough of a sample size. Um, oh,
1: well, in, in, ter- in terms of right now, yes. Absolutely. You know, I can we're only going by what we see. And what I've seen has been look, what I've seen has been, you can't guard a statue, but what I've seen has been extraordinary. And I mean truly extraordinary. I can't believe yeah, But there's nothing I, to
2: show for it yet. Like um, Jimmy Butler is better.
1: Yeah. Jimmy Butler's not, not necessarily better. Jimmy Butler just took the team to the finals. So we're basing it all upon that. In an East where they they pulled a couple of upsets, which was terrific and tremendous. And he took him, you know, on, on a you know two game ride in the finals, you know, without one of their better players and without one of their best players being at full strength. But that was one little mini scenario. That's one season with the Heat. What has Jimmy Butler done with the Sixers? What did Jimmy Butler do with the Bulls? What did Jimmy Butler do with Minnesota?
2: Well, every Zero. he went to the playoffs with all of them, and every single one of them got significantly worse after he left.
1: i am not argue with that, but he did nothing his teams did nothing resembling this. So here, here's the thing with him. This is, this, is, this, is, this is a small sample size, and I'm not knocking Jimmy Butler. I'm just saying, this, when you say it's a small sample size with Luka, that's because all we got, he's only been here for a blink of an eye. But what I've seen with Luka is extraordinary. I can't believe how good he is.
2: I agree with you, but I'm just saying that Jimmy Butler is heroic. And you know, as John said, twelve—what was it? Twelve minutes that he sat out going into the, the game the final. Yeah, and, and and he's not given one of these BS assignments of score twenty and you know I, guard I, Evan Cohen on know the other end.
1: I'm going to take. I'm going to take right. over him. All right. I understand. And, and I, I'm going to take Dame over him. And is there anybody else? In, I'll, I'll take the big kid. I'll take the Greek over him. Um, Tatum,
2: you can't. He beat Tatum at that. I, I,
1: I love Tatum, and I love, love Tatum, Tatum too. But he beat but Tatum at that. Can't, can't, I, do can't it. I can't. I can't take him yet uh, in this scenario. I do love him though.
2: Beal. Beal's got no playoff experience. God, you know, and he can't
1: him.
2: do that. I love him, but no. Uh, yeah, but he's got nothing to show for no, his, was, like in our team career. Know, that's, that's the thing about the thing about Jimmy Butler. I guess like the kind of the other thing I guess I learned about him, if you want to say that, this year. We knew he was grimy. We knew he played defense. We knew he was, you know, he'd give every ounce of effort. He's maybe more than most athletes I've ever seen take him at his word. Meaning when he says, as you pointed out, Al, he doesn't care about scoring. He really doesn't care about scoring. All he cares about is winning. All he cares about is winning. When he says, you know, let me lead. Let me, you know, bam is the heart and soul of the team. He said that early on. and Everybody's like, what? We know Bam is good, but heart and soul—Bam was the heart and soul of the team. He said that Tyler Heroes, you know, got like that. He can't, he did this thing early on again. Out there's, there's this thing called Instagram. It's like a social media fan. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> John will one. explain it to you in the what next the episode. Media <laughs> <I> mean,
1: so, <laughs> so he, he do do these for me, The, the, old the old report, but That's okay. It's okay. Bring that he heat. did these bring things, things early take. on. Bring <laughs>
2: <me>. <laughs> he did these things early on. Butler did these Tyler Tuesdays. Every Tuesday, he'd post all these pictures of Tyler Hero. We're like, okay, pipe down a little bit. The kid's 20. All he was doing was befriending him, building the confidence, hyping him up because he knew how good this kid was.
1: This guy, take him for, for his word. He is right about everything he said. He said he would do all of this.
2: And and you know what the most believable thing in the world is? And, and everybody's got their opinions on how this all went down. I'll tell you what the most believable thing in the world is is that Jimmy Butler in a practice in Minnesota got third stringers and beat Carl Anthony Towns and to Andrew Wiggins. That is so believable after what we just saw. that it, it almost came off like a fairy tale when that first was brought up. Now you believe it 100%. Now you believe he's taking Al, John, Evan, and Babs and beating the Timberwolves with the not four of Babs. us.
1: Not
2: Babs. Well, maybe not Babs, but not with somebody else. But yeah. I'm just saying, you know, that's the kind of competitor he is. This is a new school basketball team with an old school mentality. It's
1: why they're likable. It, it's, it's a perfect fit. He got what he wanted. He got what he has been longing for. He got to be the lead dog on the sled. And that's what he is down there. He's got the general manager team president who revels in his attitude and approach and sees his general manager and president and coach who have taken him in and said, this is your." Most important job. We will fill the basket around you. You may have to lead us from a skill set at times, but you lead us from the neck up. That's right. Your heart and your head, and we will give you the rest. And that's
0: what—that's why it's a perfect marriage. And he's got the best coffee in town for 20 bucks a pop. He was doing yeah, that's right. that too.
2: And shout out, to, by the way, to our uh, producer, Scott Messina, another Westchester guy. Uh, who got me a big face coffee t-shirt. So a shout out to Scott. I have a question for you guys. Now, Al's not going to like this and it's maybe more of a theory about the Lakers, but here we go. So I, my theory about what turned this entire franchise around, and this is pre horrific tragedy. But I'm going to leave that to the side because that's real life stuff. I'm talking about basketball team in the moment stuff. And this is before this. I believe almost in a weird way Herb Brooks, 1980, you know, U S Olympic hockey team Rob Polinka and Frank Vogel and LeBron James and Anthony Davis were all being criticized for whatever reasons, right? Uh, Davis didn't handle himself well in New Orleans and getting himself to LA. Um, LeBron obviously you know, didn't play, didn't win in year one in LA. Vogel was the 18th choice for the head coaching position And Palinka's, you know, making up stories about Heath Ledger going to to dinner with Kobe. Okay? And all of them were being ripped by everybody and their mother. And I think what unified this group, I don't know this. I've thrown this out at people. people, Nobody seems to agree with me 100%, but I'm convinced of this. That they found themselves a common enemy. And they became unified in a common enemy. And the weirdest of things is I believe the common enemy was Magic Johnson. Magic dumped all of them, threw them all under the bus left without telling Genie Buss he was leaving, goes on first take and destroys the entire organization, you know, backstabbing the whole deal, blows up the whole day of the Frank Vogel press conference. LeBron goes there, not because of Magic, but that didn't hurt, you know, it was somebody he could look eye to eye with and feel like, hey, you can relate to what I've gone through and vice versa. And they all got dumped on by Magic Johnson. And they all felt like, why is this guy, Mr. Laker himself, showtime, kind of spitting in our face and I think and they'll never admit it and you'll never hear it from anybody but I am convinced that Magic Johnson removing himself from the organization which is his right whether we like the way he did it or not Magic Johnson removing himself from the organization I think unified this group in a way that they were not prior what do you think
0: I ain't gonna be here ha 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 one of the best press conference moments that we've ever got when he just dropped on everyone. Yeah, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm not coming back. I'm just going to leave the Lakers. Did you tell Jeannie? Nah, I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to do it. What? I do think it was one of the best things. And they got dumped on, John. They They all got dumped on in that moment. I do think it was one of the best things to happen, and it's fun now after winning, people dig up the stuff that was said negatively about your teams once that happens, and you're seeing these moments of Magic back on first take, ripping them to shreds, the press conference of him leaving, and then, of course, all the players and coaches that turn the Lakers down, et cetera, et cetera. But that could be a key to, yeah, why is this guy the face of the team next to Kobe Bryant. Why is he saying all these things about us in such a negative way? And what we didn't see is magic anywhere around the team. Really since his departure, we see him on Twitter letting everybody know what exactly is happening in perfect sentence structure when he sends out his tweets about the Lakers like he did last night, but you didn't see him. Around at, at games really uh, Now I know it's the bubble Things are a little bit different But he could have been there No but even before then
2: And, and you know Vogel did call I mean sorry Blinken did call him last night But I, I don't know I just I, I, I'm, I'm convinced of this uh,
1: And I honestly have no idea But I wouldn't be surprised If it was unifying In another aspect Is that He called them out on the carpet Because they were a mess It was a train wreck between her and her brothers. Between you know, is Linda Rambis in charge? Who's making decisions?
2: You're saying he made them speak to each other more than they were against each other. He made them realize, hey, we actually have done all this. We got, we
1: got, we got. I I think you can make an argument contrary to what you're saying. He had them clean it up because they did clean it up.
2: I had a moment like that. Oh God, brutal, brutal moment, but I learned my third year, I think in radio, I uh, went to my bosses and I was really complaining about my producer. Not This is not a serious, this is a true story, West Palm, destroying my producer, unbeknownst to me, my producer was destroying me to my bosses. Super Bowls in Jacksonville that year, we're in West Palm, four hour drive, we go there, my, my two bosses are in the car with me and my producer, none of us say a thing about all this stuff. We literally get to Jacksonville. We pull up to a hotel. We have no idea where we're staying. We're just happy to be there three years into radio, excited to go to radio Row. My two bosses turn to the back seat where the two of us are sitting, my producer and I, and they say to us, the two of you have not stopped complaining for the last month about each other. We are sick of it. Both of you get out. You're rooming together. We will see you at the game. We're not even going to talk to you until then. They dump this at the hotel. At that point, I knew he was talking junk about me. He knew I was talking junk about him, and we were stuck sleeping in the same room. We had no choice but to work it out. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that's magic, but I'm saying if that's your theory, Al, it makes sense. Because it works for us, and boy, was that awkward.
1: The house seemed to come together after he said they needed to clean it up, and they were a mess. They brought, they brought in their coach. They brought in a coach that supposedly nobody wanted and who came with a philosophy built around – defense uh which was really the key to this championship because their offense does not function without their defense and anthony davis was a huge part of that we will not even get into which was was the key to the game last night regardless of how great lebron or rondo was the key was defense you know the changeover in the starting lineup and that was a move made by a coach who was unafraid to go to his star defender and say look here's what we're doing we're going small You know, we made the change from McGee to Howard. That helped. Well, now we got to do something to adjust to Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson. So we're going smaller, and you're taking over the paint. Can't be soft tonight. You're defending. Anybody who comes in there, we're funneling them all to you. And that's what we're doing. We're not giving up threes. We're pushing Butler in there, all right, when we move him side to side, and we're pushing Robinson in there, and we're pushing Zero in there. And you're going to take care of it. And he did. He had three block shots. It seemed like he had 10. His hands were everywhere because he's so long, that plastic man approach of his. He keeps balls in play. They run off his block shots. They run off his deflections. That was a Frank Bogle coaching stroke of teams because the Heat were not nearly the same as they were from the three-point line. They forced them inside the line. They pressured Butler from side to side. When he got inside, Davis was there and the long arm of the law. Davis has a remarkable ability to not leave his feet and go for pump picks where he can use his length. He cleaned up on the glass, and he let LeBron roam free on defense. That was a coaching move based upon the personnel. Frank Vogel's team and personnel, which Rob Paul could put together based upon defense and guys that LeBron thought he could play with, bought in. They bought into what they thought could be done to structure this team to win on defense because they had long, versatile, strong defenders and versatile guys on the wings and even at the point. And that was part of what Polinka put together once they got their house in order and what Frank Vogel and to also their credit, the much maligned Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins did with this team. They had a great group of coaches and players who bought in from top to bottom and they won the West on defense. They won the championship on defense defense because as you know they are not a great three-pointing shooting team they're not even a good three-point shooting
2: team no but they had but they had moments in this series they Absolutely. really did and, and you know it's funny they because you say skill sets because it's funny like when we players. look at them it's funny when we look at them going small because they're still 6'11 6'9", 6'7", the up. 6'7 you know it's, right. so it's not that small and then also you know I, I right exactly i i thought KCP was great in the series. Obviously, Rondo had an unbelievable all-time game stick. I thought, you know, not every game, but Markeith Morris yep. gave you a minute, right, during the course of the series. I thought it was very good. And you mentioned the assistant coaches. Don't forget Phil Handy. Phil yep. Phil Handy won a title this year with the Lakers. He won a title last year with the yeah, Raptors. Yep. He won a title in 16 with the Cavs. And he's been to six straight NBA finals with three different franchises. That's ridiculous.
1: It's incredible. It's LeBron-esque.
2: Good boy, yeah. You got a little Phil Handy in there. I didn't think you knew
1: that. And I that uh, that like a handyman? How's that work? <laughs> uh, work around the house. Got a little tool belt. And if he changed the light bulbs in the bubble, is that what he does? The handy they guy? They there? That? Is that the out there with a the mop? How's that work? A lot of wet <laughs> spots, I noticed guy's slipping, sliding around. You know, uh, I, I, I can't get like into the Lakers.
2: Can't get <laughs> <laughs> into the Lakers in, in October because I'm not used to them playing in October. What? Why? What the hell? That have I needed to do with yeah, it?
0: Did he lead off the show today with the French open? I didn't get to catch the beginning, but
2: I wouldn't be half surprised. Uh, I don't know. I would assume he did. Joe Morgan would be my guess. I didn't hear it. I May mean, he rest in peace, but I didn't oh,
0: hear it. My last just, thing just, for you, uh, and we appreciate your time coming on the show, doing like a, a fifth hour for you today, talking Lakers. <laughs> I wanted to close with, I mean, you lost a lover as a heat fan with LeBron James. We eventually gained a friend a couple of years later. <laughs> I know. Well done. <laughs> I know. Well done. I, I had to at least throw in one morning men zinger into the show. Le-
1: LeBron James and Anthony Davis are, are now official Los Angeles Lakers.
2: They are in their pins. Well, by the way, by say. the way, I had Michael Cooper on NBA radio last week. Tremendous. And and I asked him I heard about that. that. Yeah, he, I said, is he part of the is LeBron part of the fraternity? He said, with <laughs> one more he is. <laughs> they were up three one at the time He said one more. He said one more. So that's, and Michael Cooper, very good. Boy, I didn't, he is, they used the doggie about Mike on Friday. Boy, he's with that he had a fastball on in that interview.
1: That was a tremendous interview. I heard it. And in quick closing note, Michael Cooper was at New Mexico when I was at Syracuse. Uh, this is the part of the old report. Folks look it up. And played in the pit. And my sophomore year, we went down there and won in, though I didn't make the trip. But we went down there and beat his highly ranked team with uh, the much maligned, and probation, uh, star of state pro- coaching probation, Norm Allen uh, was the head coach back then. Michael Cooper is one of the stars of that team. And we won in the pit at their Christmas tournament 112 years ago. That's back when Jim Beheim actually had a little bit of hair uh, and, and bad sports
0: coats. See, these wow. are the facts you get and the trivia bits. Listening to the show, Evan. From, wow. From the, from
1: the
2: older I'll people. bring it up. Michael Cooper at New Mexico yep. back in the day. jeez Didn't see that one
0: coming. I know you love everything about what LeBron does off the court. On the court, a foe, understandably so, for leaving the Heat. The Lakers can accept him into the fraternity, as Michael Cooper mentioned, for winning this title with them. For you as a fan of basketball, as someone that appreciates LeBron James, did Ford do anything at all? to change how you view LeBron James. I can leave that open-ended. If it's the Michael Jordan, LeBron comparison, just him as a player in general, did this change anything or are we still kind of at the same point? We kind of want more in a sense.
2: Well, you're wording it very interestingly and you're making me pause and think about this because it certainly adds to his legacy, right? Like I'm not going to say that winning a fourth title in a bubble with the level of discipline that has to, to, you have to show in order to do that, and the focus, and the concentration on the sport, and so on and so forth. Um, so it certainly adds to the legacy, and winning with a third team and winning a fourth, a uh, finals MVP certainly adds to the legacy. But, like, this is why I hate having this debate, and I know you weren't saying this, but this, I'm just bringing this up. Like, the reality is I am never, ever going to change my thought process about whether or not Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Now, you could say that that is close-minded. It is. You, you could say that it's stubborn. It is. I will give you the one caveat. If my son plays in the NBA and he somehow wins six championships, I'm going to say my son or my grandson one day is better. But other than that, there is nothing that is going to get me to change that. Right? And by the way, people that are younger than, than Al and I are probably, probably around your age, John, and maybe younger, are probably going to say, well, there's nothing that's going to change my mind about LeBron James being the best player of all time. So it is a pointless conversation that we all enter into because it all is about, it's about how old you are, who you grew up idolizing, what you looked at as like that sports godlike status. And I will come up with every argument in the book as to why Michael's the best. And somebody else will come up with every argument as to why LeBron is the best. And it's not just six to four to me. Like mine is way more intangible than that. Like there's just stuff about Michael that I just, there's an invincibility factor with Michael Jordan that I, I cannot quantify with numbers. I cannot tell you how he makes me feel internally because you won't feel that way internally. Just like I won't understand the way somebody will feel about LeBron, right, in that way. But Michael Jordan is the single greatest athlete in my mind of all time. Tom Brady may be second, but Michael is above anybody else because of how he personally – made me feel and look at sports in a way that I thought he was a God. Like legitimately, I thought he was a God. I thought there was literally no chance he could ever lose in those games. And he didn't, right? And I know he has flaws just like all of us on and off the court. But I I just cannot explain the feeling I got in the moment watching him and the godlike status that I thought he had and possessed. And I said around the time of the last dance, the terminology I used – was that we renewed our vows with him because that's how I felt. We all fell in love with him. We all got married to Michael during that time. And maybe some of us forgot how we felt, and that made us kind of renew our vows a little bit. And I don't feel the same way about LeBron. That doesn't mean I don't no, feel like he's you, the second greatest player ever. You, just, I don't feel you, the same.
1: You, you can't. I can't. You can't. And, and I'm right not a kid. Say, I will say that's in closing, why. you can't because as great as LeBron is, You don't think that LeBron's never going to lose because he's lost. He's lost to teams that weren't as good as his. Rarely, but he's done it. Michael Jordan never lost to a team he was better than. Never. Never lost to a team he was better than. When they lost, when he came back to the Magic, Magic were better than him. Magic were loaded. Magic had more talent. Magic were playing better. You know, he was back off of a a very short season. Michael Jordan never lost in the postseason to a team that his Bulls and he were better than. And as invincible as he may seem and is from a physical standpoint, he is Superman of the NBA physically, to his credit, and a brilliant basketball player and a brilliant basketball mind, LeBron James has. That's why in your and my mind, Michael Jordan has an air of invincibility and as great as LeBron James is, he doesn't. And it's not, a, but I don't know that Al, I answered. I think I answered your question, John. I don't know if I did because you
2: worded it. Well, does it change how I feel? It has to change it a little bit, right? Because like, if I thought he was an a plus, I have to make him into an a plus plus now. Like I can't not acknowledge this, uh, this run that, I mean, let's be clear as much as we've been talking during this conversation about the surprise factor with the heat and how the biggest Lakers fan you're going to, you're going to meet. It's not like this Lakers championship was a given either. Like, they are in this. There's no asterisk here. So there was a little bit of a surprise element. Were they better than Miami? Yes, of course. I understand that. You know, would, would the hater of the Lakers, which I'm not, would the haters say, well, if they played the Clippers, things would have been different? Yeah, maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't know if that would have been the case. My course, you, in
1: closing, and I'm just curious what you think, because I've raised this before, and this is before the Lakers won a championship. This is before it even started. But when we knew what it was going to be, I made the argument or statement that whoever wins, it will be the purest NBA champion of our lifetime and any that I could think of, because it was on a completely even playing field where everybody was playing under exactly, for the most part, the same environment, the same circumstances, with no home courts and no travel, and sleeping in the same beds and no families, et cetera. Your thoughts on that?
2: I think that is a very fair Accurate statement that would not only eliminate the concept of the asterisk, which I think is ridiculous, would destroy it, step on it, bury it, and not even allow somebody to bring it up. And I'm on board with that. So then that, in a way, answers John's question better than I did, which is, yes, it changes how you feel about LeBron because it gives him, in your words, the purest championship we've seen in our lifetime. So that's how it would change your feelings about LeBron. That doesn't mean you're putting him over Michael. That just means that, as I've said, there's three guys resume-wise that have the greatest resumes in the history of the sport, and that would be LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Bill Russell. Their resumes, when you just list the things, you need more pages maybe than Michael's. But the person with the best resume doesn't always mean that that person is going to be the best at his or her job. I just think those three have the best resumes, and LeBron is on that list, and add purest championship to that resume.
0: You can hear Evan on Morning Men on SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82 from 6 to 9 Eastern Time with serious Sports talk like this or whether or not he should pay his cab driver around Christmas time or if he should even interact with his cab driver around Christmas time. <laughs> In normal times, this is. That's He's on West Palm yeah. as well, ESPN. You can hear him there and catch the occasional sing song to the killers on the morning show. Evan is somebody that we both listen to says you said it all. We appreciate you joining us and really enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> Thank, we, you uh, Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the time.
1: We really appreciate it. folks until next week for my partner, the great John tiny one and our special guest, the one and only Evan Cohen. I am a uh, Renato AKL from my place. Have a great and since sports week, everybody.